Coming up on this week's episode, we're talking Newcastle, Bruno Large and Ronaldo, plus all our usual features, so let's get started. Hello and welcome to a new episode of View from the Sideline podcast. It's Chris here and Liam is here. Hello, Liam. Evening, Chris. How you doing? Yeah, not too bad, Liam. It's been a while. It has been a few weeks. Yes. Um, So, yeah, so I think we're both ready and raring to go. Um, So we're going to go straight into it. And we're going to talk, well, I think we'll talk Newcastle first. Um, And the job that Eddie Howe is currently doing there. I mean, when he, I think, you know, when he took over from Steve Bruce, I, I don't know if you felt the same way, but you instantly saw a difference in how they were playing and the confidence that the players seemed to have under Eddie Howe. Um, and, and bearing in mind, when he took over, he didn't really change the team drastically, did he? He didn't, you know, I think he bought in a couple of players, but that was about it. He could have spent a lot more, I think. Obviously, the funds are there, but I think Oh, you know, I support a team that's been managed by Steve Bruce. He's not the most inspiring. Um, he's obviously been sacked today, as, as luck would same. have it. Um, but he's not the most positive. He's very much a do the basics right type of coach. And I think there's a time and a place for that. You know, we've seen him bought into many teams that are going through like a relegation battle. Uh, he's obviously had success in the championship as well with that kind of method, but it's not the most inspiring, I think, of um, yeah. of ways to play football. So with Howe coming in, I always liked the way he set up his, his Bournemouth side when he was there. You know, on paper, they weren't the strongest team in the league, but he stuck to a philosophy. He wanted to play positive attacking football, he always wanted to play a similar kind of style, like a recognisable style. And I think last season when he saw, you know, he didn't have a whole season, admittedly. He only had the January transfer window to, to bring people in. Yeah. But he bought players in that fit, fit that system. And he just made a bit more of a positive feel around the club. And it's so different, especially with a club like Newcastle, what, 52,000 a week. They didn't like Steve Bruce. The atmosphere was awful but it was because the football wasn't getting them off their seat. I think even if Newcastle don't win, if they're trying to play the right sort of attacking football with you know, players showing willingness to, to fight for the Newcastle shirt, they get behind the team and it makes a hell of a difference. Yeah. And I think just to, to sort of like underline this point, this season they've only lost one game. If there was anything I could criticise Newcastle with, it was that they were too easy to beat under Bruce to go behind you know they would never look like getting back into the game Mm. now they're really hard to beat they've only won three games this season admittedly but they're really hard to beat they've lost once in their opening I think nine games that to me goes to show that the coach in there is is right they're doing the right things you know Mm. and that kind of positive approach they always feel like they're in the game um, and I think it's something they've been missing for some time. And I think Howe's got to get most of the credit for that. Yeah, and you, you think, looking back, sort of in, in the transfer window that he has had, he hasn't, you know, he, they haven't 
spent, you know, 80, 90 million on one play. You know, mm-hmm. they, they kept it, you know, it took to like a, a good standard of what they were paying for. Um, you've got to look at people like Bruno Gamares, you know, who's, you know, he, he seems to be that sort of player that can, you know, assist a goal and actually, you know, get on the score sheet like he did at the weekend. Um, and, you know, the players that they bought, they have fitted in, you know, very well. Even, you know, players like Dan Byrne, like the back, you know, he seems to be an improved player and he, and he has improved, I think, Newcastle's defence. But then you've got to look at players who, you know, who have been there for a while, who who were under Bruce, who were struggling. Players like Almiron, Longstaff, and Jacob Murphy, you know, who, yeah, who aren't, you know, they're not always, you know, going to start. But you know, yeah. when they are playing, they are playing well. You know, Murphy, Longstaff, and Almiron all played at the weekend, and and Almiron, you know, if it wasn't for Gamaras, is probably their best player on the pitch, but. He seems to have, you know, just given, you know, the old players uh, a huge confidence boost. And it it is one of those things in football where, you know, when, when you, you know, when you are winning, you know, things are going to work out. But like you just pointed to then, even if, you know, even if things haven't gone their way this season, they've still come back and, you know, and, and end up winning the game next or, you know, putting in a good shift. So, you know, and they've still got, you know, they've, they're, you know, their star man, as if to say that they bought in the summer, you know, Isaac, you know, he's out injured at the moment, but they've still got him to come back. Yet they're still yeah. scoring, what they scored like nine, nine-ish goals in the last two, three games. So, yeah. you know, and I don't think you would have said that under Steve Bruce. I think you would no. have said nine, nine goals in about 12, 13 games. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he he seems to have done everything right, and and it pro- if you just look at the league table where they are, I mean, a lot of people will say, well, he's had X amount to spend. They've been taken over. They you you should expect them to be up there, but it doesn't always work like that. You know, you can bring in eight nine players in a season, and it just doesn't gel, and it just doesn't work. You've got to give time, you know, for the players to gel well. But he seems to have managed to pick up players that have sort of bought into his philosophy and the way he's playing, you know, pretty quickly. And I think we saw, you know, we saw Man City do it. We saw, I think we saw Man City in the, the early days when they first got money. You know, they went out and they broke Premier League transfer records or their own transfer records. Robinho came in, Elano came in, you know, players that were, you know, individually absolutely fine but they just didn't fit a particular style and it took a good five or six years for City to really sort of get towards the top and to be taken seriously they almost. Just, they needed a top manager didn't they? That's what yeah. they needed and they got that with Pellegrini um, you know when they won their first title and before that you look at the, the well Sven Goran Eriksson was one of them so it kind of, kind of says it all yeah. really um, exactly, but I think you know to you know to be the best team, you, you don't necessarily have to have eleven of the best players in the world on the pitch. You know, if you've got yourself like a world class manager, six average players, a few world class players, and a few you know mid table players in that team, yeah. you've got a good mix of players. You know, yeah. and it's the right combination. You don't have to spend. I mean, 
going back to the Man City thing, they bought Robinho and he didn't even know who Man City were. No, exactly. Do you remember the interview when they, yeah. when they, I think he thought he had signed for Manchester United. Yeah. Um, and you were right. They, they splashed cash. They, they were just buying striker after striker. You know, they bought in, who else did they buy in? They bought, they bought in, in Joe, Joe, uh, Joe Ben John. Yeah. You know, players that had scored well, but not necessarily. They, they were never going to win you the league. No. Not like no. when they bought in Aguero. You know, Aguero was a huge difference. Yeah. to Manchester City and look at Man City now they've gone from Aguero to Haaland it's not yeah. like they've you know last season they did go without maybe a, a, a central striker you know they had Jesus but he seemed to prefer maybe Sterling through the middle but again you know I think with Eddie Howe I think he's almost I'm not comparing him to Pep Guardiola at all um, but you can kind of see similarities in how they expect, you know, the players to play. They're both very attacking. And that's like you pointed out. Newcastle now, they don't just sit back against no. big teams. They'll come at you when they're playing these big teams. And, you know, they might concede two goals, but with the way they're playing at the moment, they're more than capable of scoring two or three goals, you know, three goals and they've won the match. So... And I think what's really smart as well, the the first sign-in really, or the first major sign-in they made was to bring Trippier in. Yeah. And when you're in the place where Newcastle were, sort of like towards the bottom, trying to stay up at the time, because I think they were still in the bottom three. They were, Christmas. they were, yeah, because that was the risk that he took joining them, wasn't it? Because yeah. he, he took that risk in joining them where he could have been playing championship football. Exactly. And I, I think it... It was sensible for two reasons. Number one, you're getting a defender who's played in the Premier League for a long time. It's pretty consistent. But number two, you're getting someone who every set piece you get in the final third is going to cause oppositions to think. And I think that can be such a difference to a side. And again, I'm saying this as as a Villa fan. We don't really have... And every time we get a free kick 25 yards out from goal, I don't feel like there's a chance coming because we just don't seem to create them. I know we've scored from two corners, but they've been direct from two corners this season. That's it. Mm. That's that's about as much as we get. So to bring someone in like that, someone who can score a free kick, whip in a good delivery from free kicks out wide and things like that, you play the percentages a little bit better. You know that if you win challenges further up the field if you win the ball back you're going to get free kicks and you're going to get chances because of it and I think it was a really smart smart thing to bring Trippier in mm. shores up the defence a little bit but it also gives them that option going forward and I think that was yeah that's really good recruitment and I think it's buying smarter and not just in quantity mm. which is where they've been really successful so far so do you like coming on sort of the end of the conversation now but we where you where they are now, do you think that they can hold out for Europe this season? I'm not saying Champions League, but from from where I'm looking and from what I've seen, I think they are very good contenders to get a sort of a fifth or a sixth spot this season. Yes, I, I think so, because I look at the teams around them at the minute. I mean, you've got Liverpool, you would imagine they'll pick up form and they will obviously work their way up the table. They're the only team really below them that I can see. 
overtaken them. You can argue maybe West Ham, perhaps. They've had a bit of a shaky start to the season, although they played a little bit better against Fulham at the weekend. But I think if Newcastle go into the Christmas or to the World Cup break below seventh or eighth position, you know they've got that financial backing to say, well, who's had a good World Cup? I'll buy them. So I think they're going to be able to maintain it. I think they'll be absolutely fine up until the international break, personally. Uh, it just depends what teams below them hit form. But I, I, I genuinely think they will probably be in Europe next year. I, I think comfortably top eight, but they, they definitely, I think, could challenge for top six. I, I don't see... I mean, they're, they're what one place behind United, I think, at the moment. I don't see much of a difference between the strengths of the two squads at the moment, the form that Newcastle are on and the sort of inconsistencies that Man United are showing. I could definitely see them sort of finishing in and around each other. Yeah, well, they, they've they, they've conceded exactly the same amount of goals as Manchester City this season, Newcastle. I mean, Man City, Newcastle and Brighton have all conceded nine. Um, and then you got Arsenal, Tottenham and Chelsea on ten. So, you know, they're doing so Everton have actually conceded nine as well. Um, so they're, they're doing something right. It's an exciting time, mm. I think, for if you're a, uh, a Newcastle fan. Um, not so exciting, um, if you are a Wolves fan. No, uh, we spoke about them a few weeks ago, didn't yeah. we? And, and then whilst, whilst we've been away, um, they, well, Bruno Large was, uh, given his marching orders, um, after the defeat to West Ham, I believe. Um, I think with Wolves, it's a, it's a strange one because I think they've been quite a consistent team, I think, over the last couple of years. And to be fair, you know, they, I think they've only won one game this season. I think they drew the other t- they've drawn two as well, or three maybe. Um, but, but where they have struggled this season the most is actually scoring goals. I mean, yeah. I think I think they've got what th- two or three goals this season. I think it might even be two goals, which for a team like Wolves is you know is not yeah. very good at all. Um, and I, and when you sort of look at the players that they um, brought in over the summer, um, I mean they had to scramble around to sign Diego Costa after the transfer mm. window. Um, and I think whenever, <laughs> whenever a team has to do that, I think you're always thinking in your head that they are lacking a bit in the, um, in the striking department. Um, yeah. See, Chelsea just played Wolves at the weekend. Um, and they offered absolutely nothing going forward. I think they had two shots on target. Costa was replaced after about 57 minutes. Mm. And, um, Going forward, they they looked awful, and even def- I think actually defending they looked even worse. But sort of, I'm trying to find actually players that they actually brought in. You know, they brought in Nunes from Sporting. I think he was sort of their marquee signing. But yeah. other than that, you, you've Not got much. to say they've they they bought um, a guy from Mexico as well, Alfie Pond. But I'm assuming he's probably not playing. 
But then you look at the players that they actually sold. Uh, I, you know, they they sold Dendonka to you, mm-hmm. but for me, Dendonka was one of their most consistent players over the last two years. Yeah. So, and you got a, you know they sold other players like Willie Bolly. Again, probably been quite consistent for them. Morgan Gibbs White they sold, although they were offered quite a substantial money for him, so that's yeah. probably why they sold him. But to me, they just Connor Cody. Yeah, the captain. Just, that, uh, that is, I think, strange. the big loss for them. He's got to be, you know, he's got to be obviously a huge presence for them to have. To have a leader like that in the dressing room and on the pitch yeah. and things, I, I I always you know in lockdown when there was no fans, I will always remember every single Wolves game. You could just hear Connor Cody the entire game, just over the over the speakers on the side of the pitch. He was the only voice you could hear throughout the entire game, and you, you you've got to miss someone like that on the pitch to mm. let him go as easily as as I think they did. Yeah, there's some. Not quite right. I don't know whether it's that they. Villa had it a few years ago. We were challenging for the sort of top six, and then I think the board decided if we want to get to the next level, we're going to have to invest more than we're willing to invest. Maybe they've reached that point where they think, you know, they've had sort of consistent top 10 finishes or top eight finishes. Maybe they're thinking, well, we can't really get better unless we put hundreds of millions in that we don't want to spend. Yeah. Maybe that maybe their time has come. Maybe they've reached their peak, mm. and oh, you know, I hope not for Wolves fans' sake. And and to be honest, you know, the the first couple of years after they got promoted, they played some really good football. Um, and to be able to bring like Ruben Nevers and people like that to the well to the Championship originally, but obviously to the Premier League, I think if if Wolves were to struggle, well, they are struggling, but if they were to finish, you know bottom five, bottom six, he would obviously be one to leave, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, and I think he'll go to a big club, but yeah, it's, you know, I I was looking at the people leaving them this summer. Um, I didn't, I didn't feel like they were in as bad a place as Leicester were because they, purely because they managed to keep hold of Neves really more than anything. But, even now, I'm looking at, like, Martinez has obviously been a big player for them, but he's 35 now, I think, 35. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Patricio, <coughs> excuse me, Rui Patricio obviously left them last year, um, and they've had Jose Sarr in goal, and I'm a, I, I don't, I don't think, I, I don't know, I think Patricio was great for them, and I don't think Sarr has quite been the same level. Um, no. I think so, it just looks like they're slightly downgrading everybody that they get rid of. Um, and I think Bolly was probably more an age thing. I don't know whether they think they're getting to a age and they're sort of invested in youth. Um, but it's, it's, an, it's an odd one that they've gone from playing quite attractive football. Obviously, Jimenez got injured last season, which meant that their goals sort of dried up a little bit. They've not found anyone to replace him, and even since he's come back, he's not been the same yeah. player that he was. Um, so until they find that goal scorer, I mean, they spent a lot of money, didn't they, on um, Fabio Silva? Yeah. And it's not, it's not, it didn't work for him last season. So um, yeah, I, I don't know what's next for them really. Well, I, I see think... that they're in, 
to be in Lopetegui. I think I pronounced that properly. Yeah, because um, he, he, he was sat, wasn't he, at the weekend yeah. um, from Sevilla. So I think he's the front runner, isn't he? But yeah, I think looking so even at the back end of last season, you know, they didn't win any of their last. Well, they won one game in their last eight. Mm. Um, that was against Villa. But <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's not talk um, about that. But sort of their last seven games of the season, you know, they picked up two points in their last seven games, and that was against Chelsea and Norwich. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that, they lost to Newcastle, Burnley, Brighton, Man City, and Liverpool. So I think almost that that form has probably gone into the mind of obviously the the people in charge at Wolves. And sort of when you look at it, it's literally one win in in about fifteen games. So. Mm. It was probably his time, to be fair. Um, yeah. But, you know, I don't know where that leaves them this season now because they are, you know, they're not in the greatest of places right now. If, if you ask me, I, I, at no. the weekend I saw the highlights, but um, it I wouldn't be, if I was a Wolves fan, I I would be thinking now that, you know, it is a possibility that they are going to be in and around that area sort of come the end of the season. Um, I think it's an, an important um, appointment for the board because if they go out and they do get Lopetegui, obviously he's been managed for some massive, massive clubs. Yeah. I think that would show the fans that actually, you know, they are invested and they do want to keep putting money into walls and they do want to keep pushing them forward. But if they were to just go with, you know, you know what one of the names um either plucking someone from the championship or just with one of the classic names that always gets mentioned with the lower league of the lower premier league jobs i think that to me then shows they just want to sort of steady the ship and try and survive and just yeah. stay almost where they are um so it'll be interesting what they do i think if they do go out and get a big name then then it will it will give the 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 fans the statement that they want that the owners are in it for the long haul and they do want to take things to the next level. But nothing they've done in the transfer window suggests that. To no, be and it's it, the, the thing is now when when you look at it, hiring someone now is very dangerous because the amount of games that everyone's got mm. in this short period in the next sort of three weeks it's ridiculous. Like I think I don't know about Villa, but Chelsea um, pretty much. Back-to-back games, I think, up until um, the World Cup. Well, probably Villa are as well, to be fair. So, you know, he's going to have to come straight in and he's going to have to put something together pretty quickly. Um, yeah, it's basically otherwise... a game every four days, I think, now. Yeah, because I think they've almost. got about eight Premier League games in October. So, I mean, it will time will tell, but I... Um, I'm not. I'm not confident for them at the moment. I mean, the whole just moving on quickly to manager Steve Cooper at Forest. Everyone thought he was getting sacked. Yeah, and then they, they got a new a, deal. They hold a press conference. Everyone's there like, oh, he's getting sacked, and then it turns out he signed a two-year extension to his contract. So, I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't really know what happened there, but you know, I. No. I, I, I wouldn't. Bad, I would, bad intel. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't see the reason to sack him because I I don't know about anyone else, but I you know I'm not surprised where Forest are right now. No, no, um, 
So they they've done uh, well done a Fulham or done a Villa, depending on who you support, and uh, bought in so many players. players. They've signed over yeah. twenty players, haven't they? I mean, it's obscene. That is an overhaul, but yeah, right. Well, I suppose we better mention him. Mr. 700 goals. Yeah, we've done well to avoid him. Yeah, Mr. Uh, 700. But yeah, so obviously Ronaldo um, scored his 700th goal, career goal, um, at the weekend. I mean, it's been coming for a long time. They must have yeah. been... <laughs> it's, it's that thing that they must have had 700 balloons, the, the number 700 in balloons, waiting for him for a long, long time <laughs> for to actually get a goal. But it's, it's wilted on the floor now. It's just... Um, it, it was pumped up with, hyd- uh, with helium, and now it's just like a, a, a wilted mess on the kitchen yeah, floor. But, it's, but it's, yeah, he did deserve it. And he played well when he came on. I did actually yeah. manage to watch the game. It's a huge achievement for him, and um, yeah, I mean, when like in our lifetime, I think he is definitely going to be up there with one of the greatest of all times. I think sort of our lifetime yeah. um, with sort of Messi and most likely Haaland as well. Um, but yeah. you know, I, it, it's difficult though because you don't really know where he goes where he goes on from this really because obviously he he is a bit part player at Man United at the moment and I can imagine he's he's still very keen on wanting to leave um, mm. especially with Messi scoring these Champions League goals I can imagine he's getting a bit eager now to <laughs> yeah. force a move I, I, I still hear murmurs that it, it could still happen for Chelsea in in January but I kind of like how we're playing at the moment, and I just think bringing him in. Where does he go? Because yeah, when when Aubameyang's starting and scoring goals, and then when Havertz is starting and scoring goals, for me it would just it would just be a bit silly to bring him in just because of who he is. If you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I, I, he'll be big wages as well, obviously. Yeah. That goes without saying. You're, you're going to be spending, you know, what, 400 grand a week, I would say, yeah, easily. His, his contract's at end of, obviously at the end of the season. So I can imagine that Man United is, are probably trying to get him out in January just to get something for him. Yeah. Or he signs he signs a contract somewhere else and then ends up leaving free. Because I could still imagine they could probably get... 10-ish million for him in January possibly but it depends because he one thing I I will sort of ask as a Chelsea fan obviously Chris if you're Cristiano Ronaldo and you can join Chelsea managed by Thomas Tuchel or Chelsea managed by Graham Potter do you think that will put him off Uh, I I just think he wants to go and play Champions League football (laughs) I just I don't think he's that concerned at the moment of, of where he goes and the thing is, of January, uh, you know, a lot of the sort of lower teams in Europe would, are already going to be out. So his chances are going to be yeah. very few and far of where he can go, because I assume yeah. in the summer he was offered out to a lot of these top clubs and a lot of them have said no. Mm. So it, it kind of begs the question of where does he go? Does he... Does he just stay at Man Man United and just see out his contract and just you know 
you know, at the end of the season, just leave. But then he's probably going to be on the bench for most of the league games. I know he's playing Europa League games, but then that's dependent on how far they get. So, mm. I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because if yeah. it, it's one of those where, I mean, I always think back to um, uh, Solskjaer when he used to he used to be the super sub, didn't he, for Man United? Yeah. It always used to come on and get a goal. You, if you do well as a sub. It depend depending on the manager you have, they will either keep you as a sub because it's working, um, or you might get a chance to start. But I would imagine that if this does work, if bringing Ronaldo on the pitch after sixty minutes or whatever um, seems to work and get goals, he's, I don't think Ten Hag is the man that's going to change it. I think he's going to his argument is going to be, but it's working. You know, we're winning games yeah. at the end of the day, so. Yeah, I can't see it changing. And but you know, in the same breath, and if you come on as a sub and you don't do well, um, you're not going to push for a start either. But no. um, yeah, it's it's a strange situation for him to be in. Obviously, I think age is is a is a big factor. I think Ten Hag, as we know, Chris from his Ajax days, he's always bought through youngsters, played them for a couple of years, and then obviously they get to a certain point where he sells them on for big profit. He wouldn't necessarily have to sell them on for Man United, yeah, but he will still want to bring that those academy prospects yeah, yeah. through. And I think Ronaldo being there, I think he's a player that Ten Hag will look at and say he's a, he's a good player for the kids to learn off. But he's probably not going to be starting every week. I mean, I rem- yeah. he did it with Huntelaar, didn't he, at Ajax? You know, he, he always has the sort of elder statesman of the team to kind of bring those kids through. So I think he would want to keep him, but it's just whether Ronaldo's happy or not sitting on the bench. I, mm. I personally don't think he is. I think he'll still want to win trophies, and I think he's going to want to be in the Champions League. But like you say, it's a question of who he goes to then, because I think at the moment the only teams that will probably take him are teams that he's probably already played for. Um, I don't think Madrid. Um, I think it would either be Sporting, Lisbon, which I don't know whether they could afford him or whether he'd want to do that, um, or he'll have to go back to Juventus. Um, because I can't see anyone else in Italy that really needs him at the moment. I don't think Inter are going to want to buy him. PSG, I mean, they probably would, but whether he'll want to play in the same team as Messi, I don't know. Um, and then outside of that, really, you're looking at Barcelona. They're not going to sign him because he's a Real Madrid player and they might be going out of Europe anyway. Um, and then you're limited then to Bayern Munich, aren't you? Um, and he's not really a Bayern signing, no. I don't think. No. So he's either got to look for another team in the Premier League um, or he's got to stay where he is, I think. Unfortunately I just, for him. Yeah, I, ju- I just think he's... He's, he's his own downfall as well because w- when he went back to Man United, <clears throat> there was a lot of you know, you know there was a lot of noise about him. I don't think he was ever going to join Man City. I think it was all sort of a fabrication of trying to get him mm. back at Man United. But you know, wh- why why wasn't there clauses in his contract to say you know if they didn't qualify for the Champions League he'd be able to go, or why didn't he just sign a one year deal? It's yeah. Just, you know, if, if he, because surely he would have thought that he was he was joining a team that weren't Champions League worthy at the time. So, you know, 
you know, there's got to be questions said on his side as well as to why, you know, there weren't there weren't things in place for him where he could just openly walk at the end of you know, at the end of last season because they didn't qualify for the Champions League. So Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right. That's it for this week's talking points and we'll be back in part two with some of our usual features. Hello and welcome back to part two of this week's episode and we're going to go straight into the one is a white. Um, so we've literally just talked about him in um, part one, but Ronaldo scored his 700th career goal 20 years and two days since his first career goal. And that was at uh, Sporting Lisbon. The longevity is incredible. I wonder yes. how, how many... Um, goals Haaland's got to go to get to 700 he's, he's got to be on 100 already right I yeah he's on I think I'm not sure how many he's on but I think he's going to have to keep his average up quite a lot um, to, to get that but he'll be he'll definitely I think he'll definitely get there or thereabouts Haaland um this is Liverpool's worst start to a season since 2012-2013 season. Um, and that season they actually ended up finishing 7th. So, oh, the wheels coming off. Yes. Um, Erling Haaland is 19 goals off the Premier League record. Um, but he has got 28 games left to score 19 <laughs> goals to equal the record. <laughs> Uh, That's so he, he, he can slow down now. He only has to score one goal every, pretty pretty much a goal every sixty minutes um, to keep. But even when you think about it, you know the record. You know they're still pretty good. Oh, so unbelievable. I mean, was the top scorer last season eighteen goals? I think uh, twenty. Like I think it was like twenty-one. 20. I think it was because it yeah, was a joint so one, wasn't it? So. Yeah, six six goals short. That's just ridiculous. Six goals short. <laughs> Unbelievable. And uh, Sergio Ramos picked up his 21st career red card yesterday. Of course, of course he did. Um, which makes, um, he, well, believe it or not, he's the most red cards of any player in the 21st century. <laughs> um, and that's at least by seven red cards ahead of any other player. That does not surprise um, me at all. And I didn't write it down, but I think the other two that were near him are both retired now. So <laughs> He's only going to yeah. extend that, extend yeah. his lead at the top of that table. So, uh, yeah. Doesn't change, does he? No. Uh, okay. Right, so we'll move on to this week's quiz. Now, this week's quiz is all about goals. You've, you've, you've teased I alluded, me. I alluded you, to this in you have. yesterday. You, you, teased, you teased me on Twitter um, with a programme from a game that I don't <laughs> fondly remember. So this this could be traumatic for me. Um, it's further down the line on the running order of the <laughs> quiz, so you're all right. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of time to wait. Uh, this is a very easy quiz. 
Um, and I am probably going to expect you to get at least seven, maybe eight. Um, and there are a few numbered based answers where there'll be leeway either way. Cool. Um, just in case. Okay. So in 2050, Lionel Messi, this is ridiculous, scored 93 goals in a calendar year. That's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but for which team did he do this for? <laughs> I wish it was Aston Villa, but sadly, well, I don't think our team scores 93 goals in a year. Um, <laughs> it, it was the city that I've just come back from. It was Barcelona. It was Barcelona. Yeah. 93, that's ridiculous. Astonishing. <sighs> okay, so... Well, uh, I think I've already given you the answer to this one. Who did Ronaldo score his first goal for? Sporting, yes. You did mention that just a minute ago. Question number three. I've also almost gave you the answer to this one, but I didn't. I stopped myself. Who has jointly scored 34 goals in a Premier League League season, which is a record to date? underline to date to date because I yeah. think that record is going to be beaten so there's two players could be beaten they both scored 34 goals um, I am going to ask you to name both um, so I think one was Thierry Henry and I think the other one was Andy Cole I will give you half a point oh. Andy Cole was correct it was Alan Shearer Oh, of course it was. He would have been my third choice. Um, I'll give you half a point. Okay, which team has scored the most goals in a Premier League season with 106? That has got to be... It's got to be either Man City or Liverpool, hasn't it? Uh, Or it could be United. Could be Chelsea. No, let's let's face it, Chelsea aren't that entertaining. Um, I am going to go with Man City. It was Man City. They actually beat Chelsea's record, by the way. Just... <laughs> you had to get that in. Just to... <laughs> had to get that in there. Funny enough, it was the same. It wasn't the year that we put eight past you, but never mind. Um, right. Can you name a current player who has scored more than 500 career goals, but not, not the two obvious ones? Not Ronaldo, not Messi. Oh, so is this... you, you just name me one other. There's three current players who have more than 500 career goals currently. Right. Is this like over Europe or like the world? This is... It's the world. It's the world. This was a world thing, but I'll give you a clue there. Oh, they played for European clubs. Okay. 500 career goals. I, I, so, I want two out of the three to get a point. Oh, so, the, so there's three players. There's, so there's three. Five. There's, there's, there's five players, but you cannot not name Ronaldo. Messi or Ronaldo. Not Messi. Okay, <clears throat> so I've got three attempts at name. Okay, so that, that actually... Okay, I'm going to go with Lewandowski because he's the obvious one. I will say that's correct. Uh... And there's two more, 500 career goals, and they're all still playing. Uh, one of them is playing. One of them, 
from my understanding, doesn't actually have a current club that is right. still in the realm of football. Okay. Still wants to play football. Um, where did the other two be? Aguero can't have been far away, but I don't think he would have got 500. Uh, this is actually quite tricky now. You've, this has really put me on the spot, this one. Uh, I'm going to say Suarez. Yeah, Suarez. Correct. Yeah, he is on there. He is the one without a club currently. He left. He joined his hometown. Didn't play and left within a few days. There's Appa- one he was, more. He was, he was apparently going to sign for Villa at some point, but that never happened. Um, one more. Okay. Uh, this is quite tricky now. Well, you've got the point, so I'll let you. I'll let you. Oh, get. just a free, a free stab in the dark. Okay. Yeah. I am going to because you named two, so that's all I wanted. I will then go with uh, who might be up there. It's still quite tricky just to even think of anybody, to be honest. Um, I'm going to go with Benzema. Ben Benzema. Right, it's not Benzema, but I'll give you a clue. He scored an overhead kick against England once. Oh, Zlatan. It is Zlatan, you very much. Oh, of course. Never doubt Zlatan. It's got to be. Okay. Uh, this one you might not get, but, I mean, I wouldn't have got this one. Do you know who Archie Thompson is? Um, Actually, I might do. Okay. Well, he is the subject of this next question. So he scored 13 goals in one game for Australia. In 2001, but do you know who they were playing on that day? I do, actually. This is one of the weird... That's, you that's know, not much fun. You said a couple of weeks ago, you, you sort of mentioned that in researching stuff, you kind of find the answers to future quizzes. This has happened yes. to me because it, it came up in another quiz that I was doing. So I think it's American Samoa. It was American Samoa. Um, I think it was 31-0, I think it ended up. I mean... It's not to just say to be an American Samoan fan. <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, okay, question seven. So you are currently... You've only dipped out one half a point so far. So you Sorry. are five and a half of them so far. So most goals in a Premier League game was 7-4... But can you name me the fixture that that happened in? It was Reading. And it was Reading, but who did they play? Um, I think it was Portsmouth. Correct. Oh, dragged that from the back of the mind. Portsmouth, Reading. Okay, so this is probably one where you might struggle on, but you can go one either way on this one. So I'll give you, if you get it one less or one more, I'll give you the point. Okay. So can you give me the number of goals which holds the record for most goals scored in one Premier League weekend? 
Oh did my god. Did you understand that question? Yes, so the most goals in total <laughs> in one, for, a, yeah. for a Premier League weekend. Correct. Oh my god. Uh, so I'm guessing that's 10 fixtures and what? I'm going to go five goals a game. I'll go like 53. 53. I'm afraid it's wrong. Um, even with your one, um, it's 40. Oh. oh, I wasn't far away. Uh, That's not too it, bad. Nine actual, away. It, it broke the record. Um, I think it was from 2019. Um, and the previous record was 43. Okay. So, right. Aston Villa's record defeat came against <laughs> Chelsea. But can you name me two of the Chelsea players who scored on that day? I'll give you a clue. One of them scored twice, so there's only seven players. Um. Oh God! It's such a it's it's such a long time ago now. It's got to be about ten years ago. I, I did what I, I watched the entire game. I watched all eight goals go if in. If I told um, you that Rafa Benitez was our manager at this point as well. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what, Chris? If you'd have asked me who missed a penalty that day, I could have told you it's Lucas Piazzon. Yeah. But he I can't. Score. He did assist too, though. Yeah, I can't name any of the goal scorers off the top of my head. I'm going <laughs> to guess and say Drogba. Okay. And do you want to guess another one? And I'm going to guess another one, and I'm going to say Oscar. Okay, you, you got one right. Um, <sighs> Drogba wasn't at Chelsea at that point. Because <sighs> it was the season after we'd won the Champions League, and Di Matteo had been sacked about a month before. But... Needless to say, you were right with Oscar, but there's zero points. I can run through them for you. So Torres yeah. scored after three minutes of a header um, past Brad Guzan. Yeah. David Luiz it, scored a, a lot, free That kick. happened a lot that day. Oh, David of course, Luiz yeah. David Luiz. Yeah, I remember Ivanovic, that one. Ivanovic scored a tap in. <sighs> Lampard scored from about 35 yards. Lampard, of course. Ramirez got through on goal and scored, and then he scored again towards the end of the game. Oscar scored with a flick, and Hazard um, took the complete Michael out of three of your defenders and scored. Hazard as well, yeah. I definitely should have got a and point I there. was there that day. Yes, I see you got the programme to, to yes. constantly rub it in my face. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, didn't quite get that one right. You got Oscar right, yeah. Um, this one's pretty straightforward. So, how many league goals is Erling Haaland currently on? Um, as, as I literally just looked it up because we were talking about him, it's 15. It's correct. Right, so, you got one, two, Two and a half, three and a half, four and a half, five and a half, six and a half, seven and a half, which is half less than what Aston Villa conceded on that day. <laughs> Hooray! So you actually did better than them. Brilliant. Um, I said you'd get seven or eight, and you got seven and a half, so. Well done. Good I'm guessing. The I'm, I'm the only winner here right now. Of course. 
Um, and uh, I will not be allowed to do the quiz ever again. (laughs) I just need to have an entire (laughs) quiz dedicated to Chelsea's failings. Um, Maybe that'll be for next week, just the worst moments in Chelsea history. Although I've already asked you questions about losing to Bradford, so I'll have to find some more. I'm sure there's some out there. Um, Do you want to do a Who Am I then? See if you're a true winner. Yeah, go on then. Up to you. Do you want to go... like start to finish or finish to yeah to yeah or oh, he's fin- he's a finished player is he he is a finished player okay. yes uh, just go from the start because it's easy because I can I can kind of grasp nationality by uh, uh, yes this is no exception unfortunately yeah, no exception um, uh, <laughs> okay so um, they started their career do you, do you want a date no actually no I'm not going to give you a date no, they, no, they no, don't they don't, they don't play anymore. Um, so they started their career at Slavia Prague. They then moved to Borussia Dortmund. And they then went on to Liverpool, Portsmouth, Aston Villa, loaned to Stoke City, and then ended their career at Sparta Prague. Which I imagine is a big rival of their well, first they, club, start, Slavia yeah, Prague. Did he start at... Right, so we're, we're talking... He must... I mean... If we're talking Czech players, there can't be that many that have played for Liverpool. Um, I didn't think this through, really, no, to be honest. I no. always forget the nationality gives it away of the first club, doesn't it? I mean... Stick to English players, Liam, come on. I mean, I could have gone with... Um, he could have tripped me up a little bit with Igor Bishkam. He's Croatian. Um but, um, yeah, I think I know this one. Because um, on. he has the funny surname. It's um, Berger. Is it Patrick Berger? Correct. It's not Vladimir Smitsa. That's the only other Czech player I suddenly thought of um, that it could have Vladimir, been. Yeah, but he didn't, I, it's the... Um, no, no, it was the... He didn't uh, play for Villa. Liverpool, Portsmouth. Yeah. Not many players have done that route. Apart, he played I think Peter for Crouch. both Prague teams, did he? He played for both Prague teams. He scored. Well, gone down he, very well. He, his scoring rate was good for Slavia Prague as well. So he must have only been young. Um, and he got 24 goals in 90 games. That and then he moved. Because he must have been at Liverpool for, for six. He he was at Liverpool from 96 to 2003. And he so got he, to, he's one of those, right, that. I remember just purely because of stickers. Yeah, <laughs> literally because of the sticker books every yeah. every season. Yeah, yeah. He, his record for Liverpool was actually good. I mean, I know he's never really um, sort of considered like a great or anything, but um, 28 in 148 games, is he was pretty consistent, I think, till some injuries sort of, you know, just after, after the millennium um, came in. Um, um, 99-2000, he got nine goals in 34, which is not bad in a team with Owen and Fowler, and I think McManaman still might have been there. Uh, and then, yeah, I think he, his career was sort of... Is he, is he managing now, do we know? Or do, is he um, dipped I, into that sort of stuff? Or? I don't think he is managing, or at least according to Wikipedia, he's not. Um, he, was in, he was quite prone to injury, wasn't he? I think he, he remember... Yeah, he was. Um, it says post-playing career, 
Berger continued playing football on an amateur basis for, on an amateur basis for sixth tier Czech Republic side Doini Shabri. At the age of forty, he was still playing cool. for them. Um, and he's only four. Well, he's forty-eight now, so I think he, oh, his well, career yeah. has officially ended. But um, no, I don't think he is. Um, Did you don't really see him enough. in the when like Liverpool? Does, does he ever play for like the Liverpool Legends team or anything like that? Because I don't recall seeing his name. No, I don't either. There, to be honest, he was like he he was a big part of their sort of late nineties, early yeah. Naughty's team, wasn't he? Because he was all—he was a winger, wasn't he? From what I yeah. remember. Um, oh, he played in total. He played nearly played nearly two hundred games for them in total. So one hundred ninety-five games in all competitions, thirty-five goals. Um, and then he moved to Portsmouth for a couple of years. I think the first years they were in the Premier League uh, um, and got eight goals in sixty overall. And then he moved to Villa, and he was sort of a bit part player for a, yeah, two, three years, and. Um, yeah, he had a loan spell at Stoke City, apparently, that I didn't even know about, and he, he played for us. Um, and then, yeah, back to Sparta Prague to end his career. So he didn't do badly overall, but the thing that surprised me, I thought he was one of those players, you know, like um, Paborski or someone like that, that ended mm. up with, like, 120 appearances for Czech Republic. But he only got 42 appearances, and he actually retired from international football in 2001, so he was still at Liverpool. Um Oh, oh yeah, that's, so that's, he only he he would have been um, twenty eight, twenty seven, twenty eight when he retired from international football. So he, he did a Paul Scholes. Maybe that was like injuries. He wanted to focus more on playing sort of for clubs rather than getting injured and not being able to play. So yeah, but yeah, he was a good um, player back in the day. Good one. Um, just the Czech Republic thing, kind of. Yeah, I need to yeah. think about that properly next time, don't I? I mean, it, you could have gone. Um, it could have been Barros, Milan Barros. It could have been Liverpool. Milan Barros. He, he played for Liverpool, Villa, Portsmouth. Yeah, so that is that know, is true. He, I, he I, did. I can't tell you who else he played for. He probably played for some other Czech teams as well. But um, he, I think, he, I think Barros only he only stopped playing like a few a, a year or so ago. I think. According to Wikipedia, so take this with a pinch of salt, he's still playing for FK Vigantis, and I've no idea where they're from because it won't actually let me click on their page. So I don't know whether they're Czech or... I'm just on there now, it says you can create a page for them, so you can just create a page for them and just put absolute nonsense on there if you want. Yeah, yeah um... he was he was less than prolific for Villa, to be honest. Um yeah. Not really remembered <laughs> very fondly at all. But I mean, he got... I don't know if I'm reading this right, but it says that Czech Republic finished third in the uh, European Championships in 2004. He did, and he was top scorer, and that's why he we was. bought him, I think. Yeah. He won... He, won he, he was part of the Czech Republic team that won the Under-21 Championships in 2002. There you go. He was a legend. <laughs> Barros gained, yeah. gained the nickname the Ostravan Maradona so um, I think that's all the comparisons he'll ever have to Maradona <laughs> <Just where it laughs> says, this is unbelievable right 
It says on no on the first of November two thousand so Barros was arrested in France while driving at hundred and sixty eight miles an hour in wow. his black Ferrari on a freeway which is limited to eighty one miles an hour in France. He was stopped by French police um between Lyon and Geneva and it was the fastest speed ever recorded in that region, surpassing the previous of hundred and fifty four miles an hour. Um, which was set by a motorbike in 2000. Wow. Um, he had his license, his license and his car confiscated and had to return to Leon in a taxi. <laughs> and I think that says all we need to know. About oh, that's where he went. Barrels. Actually, that's where he went after, um, Villa. That's who signed him. So. Yeah. So you can't wait to get out of Villa quick enough. <laughs> Until, right. Anything else? Nothing from me this week. All right. Right, well, we shall be back next week.